You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue, the summer Zoom Room edition. And it's my privilege to welcome back to the podcast, friends of the show, Tanner Lee and Evan Webb from the Boiler Breakdown podcast. Welcome back, guys. How you doing? Good back. Doing good, Adam. Thanks for having us back. Uh, we love full steam ahead and always love coming on here and talking Purdue sports with you. I love it too, man. I appreciate you guys uh, joining the show. It's always great to have you on and talk Purdue sports. And this is a great time to do something like this. I'm an initial inaugural episode of what I'm calling the Zoom Room roundtable style discussion. And especially in the summer as we're kind of all getting hungry for some Purdue sports to kick back off here in the fall and just a lot of stuff going on here in the off season as well. So great time to, to launch this thing and just talk some Purdue with you guys. So thanks again for, uh, for joining. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks for sending the invite anytime. Yeah, this is awesome. So let's just start here. I think the topic that's kind of on top of everybody's mind right now uh, is big 10 expansion. Of course, this kind of dropped on us about a week or two ago now. So as you guys, <laughs> you guys are, you know, scrolling social or wherever it was that you kind of heard this, I just want to kind of get your, you know, your initial reaction as you see UCLA and USC of all teams are going to be joining the Big Ten in, I believe, 2024. Tanner, we'll start with you. Yeah, first, um, Evan, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember who sent it in our group chat that we have going on, and I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it at first, even though the the guy who said I had it, he was verified on Twitter, I'm like, ah, that's just He's trying to get something stirred up. And then in a matter of 10 to 12 hours, it was official. USC and UCLA were tweeting it out that they're coming to the Big Ten. I'm just like, wow, did not see this coming. Um, But maybe I should have seen this coming. I mean, geography, as far as conferences are concerned, went out the window years ago. And especially with the latest move in the Big 12, bringing in I mean, Houston and BYU, that kind of makes sense. But bringing in Cincinnati, Central Florida, kind of throws that geography out the window. And really, they threw it out the window when they when they got West Virginia mm-hmm. years ago. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised. Um, I mean, they do fit in perfectly academic-wise and in sports. I mean, uh, USC's been a powerhouse in football um, many different times. Looks like, I mean, they got the pieces maybe to start uh, heading in the right direction. UCLA's been a powerhouse, of course, in basketball, more so than football, but they've had respectable football. And in USC's has respectable basketball. But there are other sports, too. I mean, both programs have good baseball programs. Um, that's going to be interesting to see how that's going to shake out around the, around the Big Ten and baseball. Um, UCLA was about ready to lose their volleyball. And now they're joining the best volleyball conference in, 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 in all of NCAA. So it was definitely a bombshell. Um, definitely still on everybody's mind, like you said. And now the question is, and I'll let Evan and, and you um, explain your thoughts, but my question is, uh, is the Big Ten done? Yeah, I don't think so. Go ahead, Evan. What do you, I don't hear your thoughts too. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of like, kind of agreeing with Tanner. I can't remember if I sent the text to our group chat for one of our good friends. I can't remember. I'll take credit for it. We're on the <laughs> podcast, so I'll take credit for it. But like, again, like I saw it and I was like, okay, you know, it's interesting thing that was going around what this time around last year was like the ACC, the Big Ten, and maybe Pac-12 might be joining, you know, together to fight off the SEC, who's going to try and take over the world. Um, and then... Yeah, it was like later that day, it went from like just a rumor to like, this is happening. And it's like, holy crap. I cannot believe it was. I mean, it was like, I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, I mean, again, kind of like what Tanner's saying, 
the I think my logic of thinking, which was the, my first mistake, was thinking logically in terms of geography because it, it just doesn't make sense anymore. I don't know why we're thinking about it that way. It's just about what's, what's going to make the most money was, man, why not like try and get, you know, I mean, you're probably not going to pull more from the SEC, but like a Missouri, um, obviously there's always the Notre Dame uh, talk. You know, I thought maybe like an Iowa State would make a whole lot of sense, but then and I was like, man, like I do not want to watch Purdue tip off a basketball game at UCLA at 11 o'clock at Eastern on like a Tuesday night. Um, as cool as it would be to see them play at UCLA, but I was like, but then as as it came on, like I I was still in disbelief, like I cannot believe that UCLA and USC are joining the Big Ten um, as as in a couple, just a couple of years. It'll be here before we know it. Um, but I mean, as we've kind of taken it's been about a week or so, I'm I love the idea. I mean, that'd be really cool to see Purdue go out and play, you know, maybe go, go back to the Rose bowl before we maybe anticipate it. <laughs> um, it'd be cool to see, you know, Purdue play at Poly Pavilion and UCLA um, to see those teams come to Mackey, come to Ross State, which is going to be really cool. You know, I'm used to only seeing USC whenever they play Notre Dame. It's usually the only time I really ever watch a whole lot of USC games. Um, so being able to watch those teams in person will be really, really cool. Um, and it's going to make all the big 10 schools a heck of a lot of money. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a less popular opinion here in just a minute, but I was with you guys too. I was, I think I just got to work that day and, and I saw it on Twitter or something like that. And I was like, Oh, just rumors. Uh, this is stupid. And it, it, hopefully it won't happen. And then like, it was like hours later, it's like, yeah. cool. it's going to be announced tomorrow or something like that. And I was, I was kind of shocked as well. Um, I, you know, I, I get it from the, the financial standpoint, which, you know, that's, that's fine. I know that's really deep down what it's all about for them is the money, unfortunately, uh, and, and I get what you guys are saying too about the um, geographical thing. Although I don't like the idea of when we, you know, when Big Ten commissioners or whoever, you know, says it's the student athlete and we got to put the student athlete first. But yet you're going to have somebody from, you know, you know, girls volleyball team or girls tennis team or men's swimming or whatever traveling from Rutgers to Los Angeles on a weeknight and probably going to have to miss two to three days of school just to make that travel work and stuff like that so again I know this is probably an unpopular opinion but from that standpoint I don't like it and I also just I'm an old I'm older than you guys probably by quite a few years so I'm more of a purist traditionalist of liking it when it was really I guess technically 11 when I first started following the big time when Penn State had been added but so I don't like the more and more teams but again I get it I understand why they're doing it and I you know like Tanner and Evan you guys said there are a lot of good good things about it and you know increasing uh, awareness, attendance, uh, money, uh, you know, matchups and primetime games and stuff like that. For so for a lot of those reasons, I think that's cool. And I've been, you know, clamoring for a Purdue UCLA basketball matchup every year anyway and calling it the wooden tradition. So it will be cool that, you know, those two will be playing each other a lot now in the future. So that from those perspectives, you know, I, I take it and leave it, you know, I have mixed feelings, I guess, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. <laughs> Around about well, I mean, like going go back to your comment, like the student athletes, even just like thinking about like student managers. I mean, Tanner, I know you could speak to this since you were a manager uh, for football for a few years, but like, I mean, I just brought up on my Google map just to make sure I was right. But like, I saw, cause I saw him in someone post on Twitter shortly after this was all kind of, you know, happening was, you know, thinking about football equipment people, they're, they're leaving a couple of days. I mean, Tanner, when would the equipment people leave when you were, for a Saturday game, typically Thursday, Thursday yep. from Piscataway to Los Angeles is 41 hours. 
like are they leaving on like a tuesday that's what i'm like, thinking tuesday and it's yeah. like i mean these kids are also i mean the, i'm assuming the student managers who are a part of the equipment team probably have to go with them i would assume or um they... no not not the well at least when i was a manager in 2011 yeah. 2012 and part of 2013 it was just the, the the hauler driver would go okay um but then there would be uh, at least usually a depending on where the destination was a group would leave earlier than the other group of managers on a, like a Friday mm-hmm. and drive. And then uh, the other group would, would get there later. Um, yeah. So yeah, but the, yeah, you're right. They'll, they'll have to leave a lot earlier. And, and really to Adam's point, you know, the student athlete, I feel like anymore they're taking away the student part and it's unfortunately turning into such a business money, money, I mean, it, money. It was already kind of like that way. Anyway, just the fact, I mean, even, I mean, it happened when the four, you know, Maryland and Rutgers joined, but like even now it's like, you know, Purdue going to, you know, play Rutgers you know, for a seven, nine o'clock game on a right. you know, middle of the week. And like kids aren't getting back until three, four in the morning and then expect to go to class the next day. I mean, even more so probably for like the, you know, the non-revenue sports that don't get the fancy chartered planes maybe all the time. And yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll probably make them. You know, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of athletes anyways have a decent amount of online classes, but this will probably even make it more so just mm-hmm. because of travel time and everything. So it's, 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 it's just crazy to me, the college sports, uh, you know, decade to decade, how much it changes, but I mean, last three years, ever since, yeah. ever, ever since, uh, you know, 2019 and 2020 with the pandemic and COVID and everything, it's just like, it's like all the things they were thinking about, they're just like, Fast forward button. We're pressing it. Yep. We're going through. We're not going to even think about it too much. Here we go. So yeah, remember when we thought in 2020 that COVID was going to make schools not, you know, <laughs> have these outrageous buyouts for coaches. And then, yep. <laughs> yep. yeah, that's where we were wrong. Yeah. It, you know, you mentioned, yeah, because I guess I didn't even think about that. They, I just assumed everybody would be flying coast to coast, but yeah, if you have to drive out equipment in those big trucks mm-hmm. and yeah, that you're right. You gotta leave earlier. And I'd be curious too, you know, they, you know, the last couple of years since COVID, especially they talked about how tight, you know, uh, athletic department budgets were. So, you know, the, especially the non-revenue sports, like how they're going to afford again to bar from football and basketball to be afforded to, to, to send the men's and women's swimming team to, from coast to coast, you know, kind of thing. So I'd be curious. Also, I've been talking about this with some friends here at the newsroom too, like, you know, to help maybe save on budget and stuff like that. Do you have like, say, you know, Katie Gerald takes her women's basketball team out to plays UCLA on a Tuesday and then plays USC on Thursday or Friday. So you have to, and then fly back, you know, kind yeah. of, thing. so we are talking about the big 10 schedule makers though. I mean, <laughs> it was like, yeah, one of our buddies in our group chat said, you know, you, you know, for sure that they're going to make like Rutgers fly out to Los Angeles for a game on like on like Tuesday, then host a game like on Thursday or something like something crazy like that. It's going to be ridiculous, but. Now, if we can get, you know, UCLA in West Lafayette at a, a noon game our time, you know, or one o'clock. Yeah, nine o'clock for them. Nine yeah. for them. We'll, we'll take that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Works so, in our favor, for sure. Yeah, man. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Of course, this is still, what, two years away. So the other thing, too, like, I guess it worked, it'll work out for basketball and some other sports. But, like, for football, for example, let's just say, hypothetically, it stays at 16. You know, you're still not playing. There's you could go two or three years without playing somebody unless you're just going to, you know, rotate the schedule every other year. And especially like in football, what does that look like for, let's say, Purdue 
unfortunately draws Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan in one year in the Big Ten schedule, and Wisconsin dodges Ohio State and Michigan in that same year. And you know how you know I know not everything's fair, but like that can I, to me throw off the really the the true balance of you know was this team really better than this team based off the schedule. It, and that's a really good point. And I don't have this and, and the big 10 doesn't care what I think anyways, um, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to put it out there uh, in, in my head. I think the most logical thing, and I still don't know how they come up with a fair way to, to determine an overall champion, but I think they have to go kind of like the NFL does in the NFC and AFC with divisions. I think if, if, if the big 10 stays at 16 teams, they have to go four pods of four. And, and in my opinion, the pod should be, you take the two West teams, USC and UCLA. You also take Iowa and Nebraska. There's your West. Then you take the Northern teams, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State. There's a pod. Then you take the Illinois, Indiana teams, so Indiana, Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois. There's a pod. Then you take Give me that Eastern. pod all day. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> then you take Ohio State, Maryland, Pitt State, and Rutgers. There's a pod. So that probably makes too much sense because that's how I would do it geographically speaking. But then I don't know what you do. You take the four best records of those pods. And then I, I, I don't know. Yeah, how like you determine. A, yeah, like a, like a final four tournament, like one, like one, like best team plays the you know yep. fourth best record. Yeah. Because the rumor had been before this announcement that next year, the big 10 was going to get away with from the East and West division. Mm -hmm. And every team's going to have three protected rivals and then rotate everybody anyways. And the rumor was Purdue's going to have Illinois, Indiana, like they used to, and then either Northwestern or Iowa, which I'd be fine with any combination yeah. of those three. Um, so that that's all things they're going to have to figure out. That's if they stay with 16, which they say they're going to right now, but I don't know. Now, part of me thinks they're, uh, they got that magic number of 20 in mind too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't think it's done. And maybe, you know, for the next four year, two to four years, maybe they're done, but yeah, I, don't, right. I feel like they're not done. <laughs> right. Right. So, but even in basketball, you got, what's the big 10 tournament look like? Right. I mean, well, I mean like now, like you've got, I mean, you, we played 20 games already in conference and you know, there's already plenty of teams that we only play once, you know, one home or one away, you know, obviously we have the protected home and home against in Indiana, which I don't see changing, especially for like, you know, Illinois, Northwestern, I assume Michigan, Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state. But so you throw in more teams. It's like, are we just, are we taking away from the non-conference schedule or, and which is just going to be just even more brutal schedule, just playing more big 10 games or you know, are we just going to play just a bunch of teams once every year? But, yeah, my, that's kind of my initial response or reaction too is, you take away from the non-conference and maybe make it 22 to 24 conference games. Then maybe you play, you know, your, your every year, typical couple warm-up games, easy games at home, play a tournament, you know, and wherever the, you know, they do these tournaments where it's Maui or wherever you get one of those in, come back, maybe one more tune-up game and then jump into your conference schedule. And what kind of sucks about that though, is it hurts. I mean, as all this is, it's hurting these lower level schools. Cause you know, obviously, you know, November and December is when all these small schools, they go and, you know, play at the Purdue's, the Ohio State's, the Indiana's and just get their butts whipped, but that's how they fund their athletic program. Yeah. Way, yeah. You know, if every big non-conference game is all these, it's just the ripple effect of all these schools, you know, just a few less games for them to get that, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, wherever much it is, which is yeah, unfortunate, but I mean, again, it's just kind of showing how, it's going to be interesting to see how, the, how these, you know, the major conferences, how soon maybe they break away from the NCAA. I mean, I don't know, because it's kind of like it's going that way. I mean, the NCAA kind of doesn't do a whole lot right now, aside from the NCAA tournament. It's kind of what they're kind of holding on to right now. I mean, obviously, they don't do anything with the 
you know, college football playoff. Um, and it's, you know, they don't do a whole lot of, in terms of enforcing rules that make people <laughs> respect them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah. with that. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Uh, before we move on to another topic, anything else you guys want to say on Big Ten expansion? One thing I am looking forward to is watching USC or UCLA play a late November game at Minnesota in football when it's snowing. Can't um, wait to see that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think we? Do you think Big Ten gets Notre Dame? I think that's a real big question. So we've been trying since like that. What? The I feel 90s. like this is the last ditch effort. It's oh yeah. Now or never. I feel yeah. like Notre Dame is getting cornered into where they have to join somewhere. Well, with their NBC contracts up in 2025, so that's and I so I mean. So. If they don't have that leverage, who knows? I mean, well, especially if NBC, you know, that's the interesting thing about this expansion. There's a lot of um, providers out there that are interested in getting the Big Ten on, on the books, and NBC's rumored to be one of those. So if that hmm. happens, that opens up a whole different door of possibilities. <laughs> I've also heard a rumor of Apple. Yeah. I mean, they're throwing around the figure of a billion dollars, is the rumor. I mean, goodness. Well, gracious. yeah, I, I saw a tweet that was like, with the addition of UCLA and uh, USC, it's like Big Ten athletic budgets go from like averaging. I, mean, I think we're right. I think we're on like fifty-three million per school. You could take the schools over a hundred million, which is yeah. you know, and almost obviously doubling the revenue, which is absolutely insane. I mean, it's already insane. with thinking like what the schools like the Ohio States and Michigan's will do with an additional fifty million dollars a year. <laughs> I know it's uh, it's gonna be interesting if if the Big Ten goes for twenty. You got to think Notre Dame's gonna be a target. Oh yeah. Um, I see the Oregon Washington rumors, but they're rumored maybe to stay in the Pac 12 or move to the Big 12. Big 12 yeah. But that would make sense for U- USC and UCLA. I still think North Carolina is one. If the Big Ten wants to expand, they need to go after. They don't have the strongest football, but they have pretty good football. They have fantastic basketball, and their brand is just such a big brand. And they're academic. I feel like, they, I feel like they're such a, I feel like they want to be in the SEC for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just because they're just, that's still considered the South. Like, I don't really know. I mean, because if you get North Carolina, I feel like you have to get Duke as much as Duke's not really, you know, strong in football. But obviously, you, you mean that's not what they're known for. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to get North Carolina in the Big Ten, but I don't know. I just feel like I feel like they're they want to be in the SEC if they decide to. I mean, a lot of people out there love the ACC, but if the ACC can't hold on to some of these teams, I can see Clemson moving to the SEC for sure. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, one one thing that could be good and produce favor if say Purdue football keeps on going on a good track and Louisville doesn't for whatever reason, they mm-hmm. come after Jeff Brom. Louisville's not rumored to be wanted by the SEC or, or any other conference. So, and they're not going to have that big time money that the, the, the big Ten's getting. So that might, that might uh, be in Purdue's favor. I don't know. That's something to just keep an eye on. That's a good, that's a good point. And if the North Carolina one would be interesting, especially when it comes from basketball, just because of, again, going back to purists and traditionalists and how Duke fans and, Carolina fans would feel about them being in separate conferences, especially when it comes to basketball. And maybe one team we'll get, we'll get into this maybe more in a little bit, but maybe one team that makes sense at this point is uh, Florida State, since we keep getting them scheduled. Every oh year. gosh, <laughs> I, that's the laziest scheduling I've ever seen. Oh Goodness my gosh. Gracious. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, yeah. It'll be it'll be and you know the Notre Dame thing you mentioned the contract. Yeah. I was talking about that with him the other day in the buyout right now. It's just insane, which, I mean, sounds like the Big Ten's going to have the money with adding USC and UCLA, but it seems like it – yeah, I agree too also. It, it seems like it'd be now or never for Notre Dame, and if it doesn't happen, then let's move on. And I think some of these conferences could play hardball 
with Notre Dame if they really wanted to. They could say, okay, you're not joining our conference, then you're not playing any of our teams associated with our conference. So bye-bye bye rivals of yeah. Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue. Bye-bye your big rating games of Ohio State or Wisconsin. So that yeah, can mean, really be in USC. Go, yeah, going so, back to adding teams, I mean, Big Ten can go after Stanford and do that yeah. exactly what you just did. It's like, hey, we got USC and Stanford. We got Michigan. You know, again, you don't want yeah. to play these guys, you know, join the conference. Otherwise, you know, you can't play them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, point, I mean yeah. Notre, Notre Dame's gonna be cornered if they don't join a conference. If every team, every conference plays horrible with them, okay, then they're playing the mid, mid majors for football. So the Navy, Army, Air Force, yeah, Ball State. Yeah. <laughs> and that was not a dig at Ball State, by the way. I was just thinking of a Mac school. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, well, yeah. Again, we could probably do a whole episode on this. I mean, it's just it's crazy, but also maybe playing into this. I guess we can kind of segue into this uh, a topic I kind of actually hate, but it's very relevant is NIL and how all this maybe play into all this and how this has kind of reshaped college sports over the last year or so. You guys as now we're kind of about a year into NIL, your thoughts on how this has transpired and is it what you kind of pictured it to be or worse or better? Definitely not what I pictured it to be. It's worse than I pictured it to be. Um, I do think it's getting a little better and I think I'm, I'm hopeful in the next two years as it starts developing, it will get better and better, but, uh, no, eventually, originally when, the, when it came out, I was all for it. I said, okay, that's good. You know, like years ago when Rondell Moore's pictures on a billboard, he should get some compensation for that. Uh, when, um, pretty used to sell people's jerseys, they should get some compensation for that. Yeah, well, um, yeah, to come inside was the whole camp, you know, he should have gotten money to be able to. Right. make money off that right. yeah things like that but when um miami florida is throwing out i forget the number four hundred fifty thousand or whatever it was pretty much a come here and play that's not what the nil's for. or the fact that you know you, you know the rule on the rules is you have to it has to be in the country that you're from so like zach you can't make money in the right. u.s but this is somehow apparently there's a, a huge contingent of kentucky fans in like the the Congo or wherever like, Oscar Sheboy is from because he's getting like $2 million a year. <laughs> Crazy how that happens. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I'm hoping it's going to get better. I think it's starting to get some limitations on it, but no, it's, uh, it's not the direction I thought or was hoping it would go. Yeah. That's a conversation when I had uh, Mike Wobinski on the podcast shortly after the NIL was announced that it was going to happen. And he said, you know, he's still learning, um, you know, I asked yeah, that kind of question. He didn't have a direct answer for it at the time is, you know, how do you stop a car dealership per se, per se say, hey, if you come to uh, Kentucky or wherever, Florida State, Florida, Miami, uh, to play basketball, we'll give you an IL deal and a car. You know, like to me, I don't think these deals should be able to happen until they're on campus, personally, at least, because that seems like it's improper recruiting. I, I don't know, like, and I, you know, I'm blanking on the guy's name who ended up at Miami that we thought we might get. Nigel Pack. Thank you, Pack. You know, and I, if I remember correctly, I think I saw they actually are investigating that actually particular situation. So kudos to that. Hopefully, you know, I don't want the kid to get in trouble. But it just those those situations make me shake my head at the whole NIL thing. And like, this is not I don't think this is what it, the intention was. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going back to your original question of what you thought. This is actually kind of what I feared it would be. But then, like when it first came out, you know, it was like, you know, be like, it's not going to happen because my fear was, you know, the rich are going to get all the, you know, the best prospects go to the same schools. Basketball is going to be the same and maybe a little worse for Purdue. But then when it came out, it was like, okay, you know, I see, you know, Sasha Stefanich doing, you know, some small things here and there on Instagram. 
you know, our, one of our sponsors of our podcast, the shop making t-shirts for guys for Purdue IU Butler was really cool to see. I was like, okay, this makes this, this makes sense for what it should be. You know, you know, if they want to do camps, if they want to sell t-shirts, they want to make their own merch and sell it. That makes hundred percent. That makes all the sense in the world. Um, and then the transfer portal happened this in basketball. And that's when I was like, Whoa, this is free agency. And yeah. that's exactly what it was. Um, and I was like, I mean, I know like us being on the pretty message boards, it was just like every day it was like the the doom and gloom of that place was <laughs> almost unbearable. Was it was just like, oh my gosh, like anytime a, a name would come up, it was like, nope, we can't afford them. And I was like, God, I hate this mentality. <laughs> but also, I mean, it was kind of hard because it was like, you know, the NCAA and their ultimate wisdom didn't set out any, they, they gave out some guidelines of, hey, you can't be used for recruiting and it can't be used for player retention, but there was no, it was just, hey, don't do it. I was like, okay. I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so then when you see all this stuff, it's like, I mean, that's Agile Pack situation. Like you have the, we know it's supposed to be like once you're on, not until you're signed or whatever, but it's like, you know, you got this lawyer. I think he was a lawyer, you know, At Ruiz or whatever. His name essentially, was. essentially tweeting the commitment like before Pack did. And like, oh, mm-hmm. by the way, he's also getting $800,000 over the course of two years. And, you know, I don't know. Are these things like, are these, contract binds where it's like you have to play those two years or just like i saw some people's like you know they're not always contingent on you know you playing it's just like if, if they offer you that money like essentially that's yours i think there's a, a case of i think it was trace jackson davis and um race thompson they both had like six figure deals at iu and it's like they could take sign that take it and then leave essentially i, I didn't know how that was going to work out like for these other deals i don't know how then you have the whole collective thing and acting as charities which is another debacle but i mean but it's like but i'm also kind of the point it's like if it's they're not going to do anything about it like you know you gotta you, do something you gotta do something otherwise you're gonna fall behind which i think is still think like especially more basketball for purdue you know like the the kids we go after for the most part we still go after you know we try and go after the, you know the the you know some of the one and dones or you know the, the j nineties of the world that turn to be superstars but you know you a lot of the guys that are going to be going for these NIL is pretty not recruiting in the first place, just the way Painter recruits. But my, you do worry about, you know, keeping some of those guys. I mean, like we had a, a conversation on our podcast. I mean, I'm not sure if it was on our podcast, Tana, we just, or just more just, I mean, I think you did it on one of your other podcasts. But it was like, if we got Nigel Pack and we paid him 400 grand, what does Zach Eady do? It was what is Zach Eady turned around and be like, okay, you're paying this kid four hundred thousand dollars. He hasn't even played a minute for us. Like, what are you gonna do for me? I'm gonna go play, you know, somewhere else because they're they're willing to pay me. It's like that could be a whole other can of worms. And I'm interested to see this year too with some of these guys who got, you know, the the big deals. Like, how does that, you know, how does chemistry work? You know, there was a I think a painter was on an uh, interview. Uh, it was the thing was a field of sixty eight. It had I think Hunter Dickens was on the same interview. And someone, asked, I think it might have been even Robbie or somebody asked him, asked Hunter, like, do you guys talk about, because this was, you know, the first year of NIL, like, hey, do you guys talk about how much you guys are making? And Hunter said no. And Robbie's like, in the NBA, that's all we talked about in the locker room was how much we were all making. So you wonder if that's going to change in the coming year or so. And then you fear what that's going to do inside the locker room, you know? Yeah. Gosh, if that's the case, like, well, I'm not playing tonight because, you know, this guy's making X and I'm not mm-hmm. making Jack, you know, kind of, man, that's, that's a scary thing for me too. And like, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Purdue guy, but because I feel like I know Purdue, at least, you know, when this was first being announced, I truly, truly believe that Matt Painter runs a clean program, that he wasn't doing shady stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a certain coach that coaches Kentucky or something, you know, does. <laughs> and um, 
so that's like I was like I've kind of was maybe Evan was kind of getting to this a little bit earlier I felt like this could hurt Purdue because I feel like Purdue was running it clean and now this maybe puts them at a bigger disadvantage for what other mm-hmm. schools may be able to offer so I don't know yeah there's a I think that you, there's some I don't know if reports was like, you know, Purdue was going about like, hey, here's what, here's what other guys have done. Here's what you potentially could do essentially versus like some schools being like, come here, get this sort of thing. So yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think we definitely missed out on some guys in the transfer portal, especially this last year, um, maybe because we weren't giving an offer. Yeah. And yeah. And speaking of the transfer portal, yeah, that was obviously kind of just felt like such a disappointment this year too, being it, a, you mentioned the number of guys. I mean, just well, I can't. It was a record number, and I can't even remember the number now of how many people joined the portal. And then, like, you kept thinking, "Well, this point guard, Purdue needs a point guard. Certainly, we'll get one of these guys." Mm-hmm. And we didn't get a single one. And I'm sure, I at least like to think there's no internal panicking happening up in the the offices up at Mackey in West Lafayette. But uh, it's just like, man, you can't get can we get any one of these guys. And and then you know you kind of also wonder what happened that you know, made Isaiah and Eric want to leave and what's going on there. And then, yeah, the opportunity for a transfer to come in and be our starting point guard this year. So I don't know you guys thoughts on that. Yeah. The whole, the whole, uh, the following of that was like Evan pointed out on the message board was frustrating because you're seeing these guys that are picking schools, in my opinion, that you just could offer more. They weren't the better basketball fit. It was, they could offer more. And that was getting frustrating. It's like, all right, you know, I don't really want, like you were saying, I want Purdue to play as clean as they can, play by the rules. But we got, we got to do something here. We're gonna keep, keep missing the opportunity. You know, and, and, and we don't have the big backer like Indiana's got Mark, Mark Cuban. Some of these other schools have these big, really. Not, not saying we don't have rich alumni because I think we, we do. We do have rich alumni. They just are donating to the school, which, which is fine. <laughs> which, which is, is fine, fine with yeah. itself. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but we don't have that. At least that we know that one big donor for. Athletics, athletics only yeah. um so we're losing all these guys and i'm thinking all right i know we're gonna end up with somebody and we did david jenkins jr but he's more of a scoring guard he's not really a point guard so i think i still wouldn't be shocked if Braden smith the freshman mr basketball from westfield ends up being the starting point guard week one i mean call me crazy but he's more of a point guard mm-hmm. than david jenkins which we've seen Purdue grabbed guys and kind of turned them into point guards. John Ockus wasn't really a true point guard, but they turned them into one. So, uh, but, but back to your question, Adam, I still would love to know what exactly happened with Isaiah and Eric Hunter Jr. Cause I kind of felt like if Purdue wanted Eric Hunter back, he would be in a Purdue uniform next year. That's just my, my take on it. Isaiah, no idea. I, I, I don't know. I have no idea, especially landing at Florida Gulf coast. That was kind of a head scratcher, but especially with his brother on the staff too. Yeah. So like- was there a fallout or did he just, I mean, cause the part of the starting job was right there for him. I know. And I know. Offensively, you know, the assist to turnover ratio and everything was terrific. So I was, that was the one that shocked me the most about think anybody leaving and yeah. What, what happened there? I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, I would like to know um, that was one of the big, you know, and he took it on the chin pretty hard. I felt like from Purdue fans, uh, this oh, past year. He, he and Jaden yeah. Ivy especially Jaden toward down the stretch, which I can let Evan speak on that. Jaden's one of Evan's favorite. And, 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 he, and he's, he's one of my favorites too, but Evan, Evan's a big, big Jaden Ivy fan, rightfully so. And he could, he could speak on that a whole podcast, I think on itself, why fans should have got off his back and still should get off his back. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I hope there's stories that come out about the, 
Purdue basketball team from 2021, 2022 someday, because from outsider perspective, I don't know how much fun that team was actually having. Yeah. It felt so. like the, the target was always on their back and they were playing with so much pressure. I don't think from a st- staff standpoint and a player standpoint, I don't think they had as much fun as they probably should have. Yeah. That's just especially given, you know, reaching number one and all that. But I think there was definitely some stuff going on to where like it was almost like you can't celebrate a wing. So it was like, oh, thank God. Now let's get to right. the next one, sort of thing. But right. um, I mean, there was a you kind of mentioned it, Tanner about like guys picking schools that weren't the best fit. There was a blank on his name, but he from Iowa State and going to Texas. Hunter, wasn't it? His last yeah. name's Hunter. Tyree Hunter. The freshman yeah, of Hunter. the Big yeah. 12 freshman year. Tyree Hunter. Yep. Yeah. It was just like, and I thought we were in a long shot yeah. for that just because it was just uh, such a, I mean, a great player, but I was like, man, he wants to be a point guard. He wants to show up for the NBA. Purdue as, you know, essentially just an open door for a point guard to walk in and just take the starting job. You know, he wants to play like in a high octane offense and he chooses Texas, which is just like the complete opposite. That's like, okay, right. Texas. One thing about Texas is they got, they got money. So that was the fresh one. Obviously pack was, we, I kind of thought, I thought we had pack in the bag. I, I mean, no pun intended. No pun intended on that, but um, <laughs> but I was just like, I mean, it made sense. You know, the the Bruce Weber connection. He's from Indy. You know, we recruited him the first time around it, it, to a point. You know, it just made. You know, it was this first visit when you could make visits. Like it was like, okay, you know, he's taking these other as a formality. You know, it makes so. I mean, essentially being like a Carson Edwards type. You know, be a point guard, but can shoot lights out, and then that whole Miami thing happened. It was just like, well, first it was like the rumor was like Ohio state was offering like two fifty, And all of a sudden it's like, nope, Miami's kit came in with something bigger. And it was like, are you freaking kidding me? And that's kind of when this whole thing just, just steamrolled. Yeah. And the thing with Tyrese Hunter too, if I, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong on this, but I think Texas already had like two other point guards on the roster. Yeah. They had a couple of the guards too, that like kind of like filled his spot. So yeah, just to make, it didn't make, but from a basketball standpoint, which would be now interesting to see like these guys who made these positions, like, or decisions like how is it going to work out and does the coach you know because we I mean there is the whole thing of you know basketball can be is turning into more of a positionless sport you know you can have five guys who are six seven all in the same on the court together but you know when you get you know three guards out there it can get a little it can get interesting yeah I want to jump back to something uh Tanner mentioned a few minutes ago you talked about Braden Smith it'll be interesting I want to, I'm curious to see how that will all play out too my first thought when they brought in Jenkins is same thing he's a, a at least as, as far as we know in his career as a shooting guard not a point guard I'm curious if there'll be a lot of it'll be point guard by committee where there's no true point guard on this and it's you know whether it's uh Jenkins or Smith or uh Newman or uh oh my gosh uh, uh Ethan Morton you know who's who, anybody could be bringing up the ball I I would be more on board with what you're saying about Brady Smith my only uh curious curiosity is he was coming off that foot injury where he didn't even get to play in the all-stars. So he's a little bit behind the eight ball as far as. Um, he's not practicing right now. Obviously with him, he's yeah, there, so, but he's not practicing yet. So it'll be curious to see, but yeah, I mean, the, he seems to be talented enough and I, I can't remember if and when last time painters rolled with a tr- uh, true freshman point guard. Lewis Jackson. Was, maybe Lou Jack. Yeah. Um, and he didn't start. I don't think either. Yeah. I think he started right away. Right. So it'll be curious. Yeah, I, I think the, I'm just guessing, but my feeling is they'll start off by kind of just by, by committee, and maybe that's Ethan Morton to start the season, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I'll be curious to see how that that does play out. Yeah, it'll you, be interesting. Go ahead, Evan. Sorry. I was gonna say if if you had to ask me what our starting lineup is right now, I would say our starting lineup is Jenkins, Newman, Morton, um, Gillis, and then Edie. 
And I think, yeah, Jenkins, just by default, is going to be the point guard. But, I mean, like, we've kind of – I mean, it's been said for years that, you know, Painter's offense doesn't really require you to be a true point guard because it's more of just initiating the offense. But you still want a guy who can at least attempt to break people down and, you know, get to the hole like, you know, like Ivy could or Carson. But those guys also weren't traditional point guards either. So um, it'll be interesting. But I do like – I like the idea of Smith, but, I mean – He's a freshman, yeah. you know, he's not the biggest, you know, it's one thing if he was, you know, six, four, you know, two, two ten or whatever, but he's six feet, maybe <laughs> I'm not really sure. Jury's still out. Um, come off like, like I said, the foot, the foot injury. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I've not, I mean, I guess we'll see painters. That's why painter gets paid the big bucks to figure it out. <laughs> and it, 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 you know, it hasn't surprised me the last couple of years where he changes up the roster. I mean, I think last year they ended up having a pretty, steady starting lineup mm-hmm. all season but the year before a couple you know he mixes it up i guess and especially early on as they're kind of i think more so than this year there's just so many unknowns and of course i think you guys would agree 100 with this and i've talked with you know robbie uh hummel about this back uh, a couple episodes ago that i think one guy that the the uh spotlight is there for the taking is brandon newman and i think we're all pulling for him to have just a a huge breakout year. So it'd be interested to see because we talked about the transfer portal. If you would have asked me to bet money on any guy who was going to leave Purdue after last yeah. season, it would have been Brandon. I was just so happy to see him stick it out. And I just hope he really gets rewarded for that this year. No, I agree. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I meant to bring that up earlier when we talked about the transfer portal, it's like a lot of these college players, football and basketball, any adversity that comes their way, they're jumping ship. And it was nice to see Brandon Newman's like, no, this is where I want to be. This is my best fit. I'm going to stick it out. I know I got a chance to start next year. I'm going to put in the hard work. And um, I hope he's rewarded for it. I mean, he, he could be one of the best storylines around the Big Ten if it, if it goes how we're all hoping. Um, and uh, and it was great to see late in the season in the Big Ten tournament, he get that, he get that moment against Penn State because we know how talented he can be. You could just tell he had no confidence for a long time. So, uh, but a lot of unknowns, a lot of unknowns, a lot of freshmen, um, four freshmen coming in. We'll see how much they play. I think, I think Smith and lawyer will play a lot. Not so much sure about Hyde and, and Berg. Um, but the, the guy I'm going to keep my eye on Trey Kaufman Ren. I think all the, all the Purdue writers keep talking about how well he looks in practice and, some of them make it sound like during the season, it's only going to be a matter of time before he takes Mason Gillis' spot, which I'm a huge Mason Gillis fan. I'm like, man, I, I hate to hate to, to think about Mason losing the starting spot, but he could also be really good off the bench too. So Purdue's got that good problem again, where, 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 where they got a problem that can be good, where they should have a lot of depth. So a lot of potential uh, different lineups we could see. Yeah, I think Caleb yeah. first will have something to say about that too, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Caleb first, thank you. And he's coming off a foot injury. This was like yeah. the year of foot injuries for Purdue basketball. Yeah. yeah, that was be- like, yeah going back to Trey, Tan, I mean, I keep kind of forgetting about him, which is crazy because this kid was a top 50 recruit, had a legit offer from North Carolina coming out of high school, was Gatorade player of the year as a junior. Um, yeah, so what it sounds like, he sounds like he'd really score the ball, which is something that Purdue is definitely, definitely going to need this year. You know, we don't have, you know, the, the obviously the Ivy – you know, this beyond like, you know, the shot maker like Sasha, you know, even Hunter. So it's gonna be interesting where the scoring obviously we, we know we've got, you know, big maple down there with, with Zach Eady, but you know, we if no one's hitting outside shots, it's gonna be five on one down there. We already know he's not gonna get the fouls like he should. So yeah, if we can get somebody to to score the ball, I think yeah, I think Trey can be a can be a huge asset. Yeah, 
I know he's 6'9", but could, do you think he could play the three, or do you think they'd be more likely to shift? And Gills is only 6'6", six, six, but he seems more like a, a four. Yeah, that was kind of a thing, like, when they were recruiting, when because there was the whole thing when we got first that year, it was like, okay, we must, we're going to be out on Trey because they're the same, you know, essentially the same player. And then we kind of kept hearing, you know, we're actually, we're still recruiting this kid. And it's like, there's a possibility that, you know, if, you know, especially because we already had Edie on the roster, or, yeah, we had Edie on the roster already, or already committed. It was like, well, maybe there is a potential of you know, just the way that Trey was kind of starting to work on his body. like, you know, maybe first plays the four and Trey plays the three, but I think there's still a ways to go on that um, from a quickness standpoint. And obviously I'd be able to be, be able to guard out there too. Cause it's some real athletes at the three, the wing position, but I think it's definitely, I don't think it's out of the realm possible. I was you know, talking about taking starting spot when I first, when you said that to Anthony, like maybe he might take Morton's spot. I don't know if, if he can, you know, shoot, you know, shoot well from the outside, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Cause if yeah, it's like, I mean, obviously Gills isn't the most, you know, prolific scorer, but man, he's a dog and he, is. he, he hits open shots when it was kind of like the Grady Eifert thing, you know, was if you can just make shots when you're open and not make mistakes and just rebound the crap out of the ball, then Payton's going to play it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I'll be curious to see how to play that. And then, I, you know, I'll also be curious. I saw there was, a, I think, a comment from uh, Painter on a different podcast or a, some kind of interview last week where he was saying like that, uh, uh, gosh, why am I blanking on people? Brian Waddell. Like, uh, no, not Waddell, but um, I forgot about him. Yeah. Uh, holy cow. Why am I being an idiot here? Uh, Edie. Gosh, I'm stupid. Sorry. Edie, <laughs> Edie could play 30 plus minutes a game. And obviously, you know, he's not in foul trouble. I mean, you put out his average numbers that he was averaging at what? 10 or 15, 20 minutes a game. And so he'll be curious, you know, or if there is any kind of, because I think what Painter was getting to, there wasn't a, a worry about conditioning. Like he could handle that. So, but if there is a foul trouble yet, then does Purdue go to small ball? You know, does it, does it have a Gillis first and Ren or one it's of just, those, two of those three in at the same time? It cracks me that we call that small ball because first is 6'10. <laughs> it's like, you know, 10 years ago, that was kind of our average center Come height. Come on, Johnson then, was 6'10. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and so, like, that's, that's the life I would love to see because that's kind of, I, and just, I mean, like, just kind of going back to this last year, which I don't want to harp on, but it's like, it's what sucks is like, if we would have had that pick and pop center, I would have loved to see, like, obviously, maybe a junior year first with Ivy being someone who could play, you know, because first showed he could, he could hit the, he could hit outside shots or even like a Matt Harms type of player that I could say we had a pick and pop center. He left. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, but just seeing what that could do and like having, you know, first be the five you know just obviously just the way the basketball is going you know your your five guy almost has to be able to you know if, if you're not if your five guys not hitting 15 20 footers and you're kind of archaic and that's kind of what the big gripe is you know with, with having these big lumbering centers is you know there's no not a whole lot you do because there's you know if you have a guard like ivy you're going to have somebody in the post already because you can't move ed out 15 feet I mean, supposedly he can hit shots so he's hitting in practice but like do we really want zach Eady taking threes in the middle of the game like oh nope. <laughs> um so yeah i would love to see a lineup of first the five gills the the four and maybe like a trey coffin at the three I think that'd be really interesting yeah and it'll be yeah i'll be also curious you think uh do we have a go-to guy you know again you know going back to newman or and hopefully it'll be him but is there a go-to guy at the end? You know, we don't have Ivy just to hand the ball and say, go hit a three or take it to the basket and draw a foul or try to dunk at the rim. Who do you think 
do you think we have a, a guy who stands out as a leading scorer this year or is it going to be very balanced which has kind of been more painter's tradition or history anyway outside of ivy and carson i would say Edie. i'll say i think by guy. default it's um, Edie. just yeah, um, just give an experience i mean i think i think besides that it'll be pretty balanced but it, it maybe this is me just thinking he's going to improve so much more than he already has because if he improves as much as I'm hoping for, he should be in for the Big Ten MVP race. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, I would have no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've we hear good things about Lawyer, but again, freshman, right. right? He's not the biggest kid. I mean, obviously he's tall, but he's not. He's got a lot of work to do in the weight room. Um, I think yeah, Edie, and then probably uh, Newman, just kind of based off of experience maybe i'm not yeah that's kind of a maybe jenkins jr we don't know yeah. what really yeah. what the yeah expect of him but he's a spin score everywhere he's been so yeah, yeah i think that's the, the interesting part of this year just the the intrigue is just like mm-hmm. what, kind of almost like two years ago it's like we have no idea what this team's gonna look like which made two years ago so much fun because it's right. like when when things went well it was like okay cool found money essentially just make the tournament and be happy um, i think it's gonna be kind of the mentality going into this year it's just like Top of the half Big Ten make tournament. We'll see you and go from there. Yep. Yeah, it certainly can make this year fun. Now, two seniors on the on the rosters I'm looking at right now. So, you know, you have a good year this year. Yeah, like you mentioned, if it goes back to like two years ago, you say, and almost all of this comes back mm-hmm. for the next season. So that could make things exciting. You think uh you think Wilberg plays at all? I would be surprised. Yeah. I I feel like do you redshirt him? Um, just because you have the you know you have first as a backup. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if he was a redshirt. I, mean, I wouldn't be shocked if like Heidi redshirts, and, right? Which would be crazy because he was kind of you know, at least. Is his know, last name on. Hyde or Heidi? I thought it was Heidi. Okay, no, I I, I have no. That's yeah. why I was asking because yeah. I I wasn't sure. Um. No, I'm second guessing myself. So I need to go back and listen to an interview or something. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll be curious with Berg. Yeah, because I didn't think Edie was going to play two years ago, and then you know point. he shocked everybody, and he was deserved to play. He was obviously really yeah, good <laughs> and not uh, rated high enough. But again, Matt Harms left, and Edie <laughs> filled in, so yeah. it worked out all right. You know, um, anything else about Purdue basketball you guys want to talk about? Oh, uh, not- uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm glad you mentioned that. So I invited the uh, the guy from, who runs the Boiler Uniforms Twitter account to join us. He he had another commitment tonight, so he wouldn't be able to join us tonight. But maybe if we do this again here in the fall and continue this as a, a quarterly tradition here, love to have him on because, yeah, I think football and basketball are allegedly both getting new uniforms this year. I don't so. think football's supposed to. I think I saw some that they were, but then, like, there was some something I thought it might have been really uniforms to say that they, maybe they weren't, but yeah, basketball, I think we're supposed to know in September. I think we're supposed to get a yeah. sneak peek of them, but yeah, I'm anxious. I, I think football needs them, but I don't think they're yes. getting them yet. I mean, they, they've had done a great job of adding the variations of the helmets and even that awesome throwback uniform that all the recruits seem to love and the wearing in their commitment pictures. Yeah. So, and they could go to that for all I care for every game Jersey. And that looks slick, but um, I, mean, I, I think it should go to that uniform with black pants for the Penn state home opener. It is blackout. They came out with the promotions. It is blackout. Yep. But my last thing with uh, basketball was of course, we don't know the big 10 opponent dates yet. We do know the non-conference schedule and Adam brought it up earlier. Florida state's yet the challenger yet again in the ACC big 10 challenge. Um, we also play them in 2019 and on non, non, uh, non-conference tournament i'm just like really 
Like, I, I mean, I would take an even uh, and Florida State would probably be a pretty decent opponent for us. I mean, they, they that would be a great test, especially with a young, right? They press you, they're athletic, yeah. they're lengthy, they're quick. But it's just like, I'm so, I'm sick of this challenge because it's just, I kind of want Miami just for the storyline. Oh, yeah. Um, or, or somebody, uh, Notre Dame. I kind of want Notre Dame. That would have been fun since not playing each other in the crossroads. We never play each other at Mackey or the, uh, I don't know what they call it now. They used to call it the Joyce Center. I'm not sure what it's called now. Um, and then, no, the schedule makers, now oh, you're going to get Florida State for like fourth year out of the last five. And then the Gavit game, same thing. I'm like, all right, give us Butler. Like, and Mackey, Eric Hunter Jr., storyline's right there for you. Now we're going to give you Marquette, who you've already played twice in this thing. It's just like, come on. Like, yeah. it's just boring. <laughs> but but I'm excited for the Phil Knight Invitational. Uh, Davidson and in uh, Indianapolis, I know Purdue's getting a lot of grief for that on Twitter, but uh, rumor has it this event's going to become bigger next year. So, um you know, it's hard to, it's hard to, a lot of people don't want to play Purdue. A lot of people don't want to play in Mackey Arena. So Elliot Bloom's got a, he's got a tough task. Yeah. Um, so I think, I still think it's a non-conference schedule we can get excited about, but I just wish the matchups for the AC Big Ten Challenge and the Gavin games were a little different. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned Elliot Bloom does have a tough job. It's mm-hmm. getting that all to work. And I'm glad to see they're still playing some kind of game in Indy in, in December. Yeah. So um hey last time we played davidson in indy in december that worked out pretty well for yeah us. back in 08 it went pretty good so. yeah. some no name we shut down i don't know yeah, I don't yeah, who he's, was. Yeah, he's won a couple mvps in the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four, four, four titles but couldn't score chris kramer so the shooter of all time <laughs> um you know we mentioned the portal um you know one thing i thought might happen this offseason in basketball that didn't is you know the last couple of years coach banners had a couple assistants move on to you know, head coaching jobs or other other jobs, which I thought if that happened this year it was going to open the door for a couple of guys that Purdue knows very well. You mentioned Bruce Weber already, and then I thought Quanzo maybe, even though I'm sure he wants to be a head coach, I thought you know he could be brought back. Painters ret- retained his whole staff this year, so I was I was kind of curious. Although I think I've heard since that Bruce still wants to coach as well. I thought it'd be cool if they brought him in in some kind of you know assistant role that's maybe. I forget what the title is, but there's like, so that, many like roundabout ways to have somebody yeah. on staff. I don't even know anymore. I thought that would have been cool. And then I yeah. thought that, like you mentioned, that might've helped with Nigel Pack or whatever, but but Quanzo, his son's, you know, a walk on Chase is on the team. So, you know, I thought that'd be a good fit too there, but obviously there's not an opening. So, but those guys still haven't landed other jobs. So it will be interesting to see, you know, where they end up or if there is at some point they come back to Purdue. Yeah, it'd be nice to see them both in Mackey. I, I, I'm guessing as long as Conzo doesn't land anything, he'll be coming in a lot more Chase's games. I know he went to NCAA tournament games, and it's just always nice when you see those guys who have been important pieces of Purdue basketball history come back. And that, that's something Purdue's done a really good job of, more so basketball than football, is bringing those important pieces um, historically uh, back for games and everything. And uh, you want to do that while you can because um, – you never know when you're not going to be able to. I mean, I, I, maybe we were going to talk about this later, but look at the Caleb Biggie Swan again. I mean, uh, tragically, how, how everything ended. And he, luckily, we got him back to campus uh, shortly after he was in the NBA, got his number up in the Raptor, Raptors and everything. But uh, you just want to make sure you get those uh, friendly faces and those important pieces back and keep that tight fit and family culture going. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. And yeah, thanks for, you know, mentioning Caleb too. It's such a, tragic story and our you know our condolences to his, his family and just everybody 
who knew him such a, a, a sad story just had to hear that a couple of weeks ago so. mm-hmm. yeah um well we should uh talk some football probably before we uh, wrap up this episode before we lose uh, too much time here um football is i believe if my count is correct today 51 days away from from kickoff from that thursday night opener against penn state up in uh, ross aid how excited are you guys for the season to get started I'm very excited. I so, I don't yeah. remember the last time I've and this scares me. The last right. time I've had this high of expectations going into a Purdue football season, it's because the nine win season last year, the first one since '09, and in in on paper a schedule that looks very favorable. Um, I probably haven't had this high expectations since going into the '04 season. To be honest, after that good '03 season, I'm mean, you got a sixth year quarterback, Aiden O'Connell coming back. You second team All Big Ten. I know he lost unbelievable weapon to David Bell, lost a, well, pretty sure, I think it's like 99.9% sure at this point, they lost another good target, Milton Wright. But he's still got a lot of good wide receivers coming back, some good transfers coming in. I'm not too worried about the offensive side of the ball. I mean, defense, we lost George Karloff. This is some other key pieces. Uh, new defensive coordinator um, after Lambert went to uh, Wake Forest. But um, – no, I'm just really excited. I I can't say how important that first game of the year against Penn State is because if they can get past Penn State, I really think Purdue's in for a special season if they can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, that game is huge because, mm-hmm. one, it's a conference game, but, two, yeah, you start season off 1-0, and then, you know, that's this is why you play the games not played on paper, but then you look right. at Indiana State, Syracuse, and Florida Atlantic. If you can beat Penn State, there's no reason you shouldn't be going into that Minnesota game 4-0. Uh, and hopefully momentum to maybe pull off a win at a place that's been hard for us to win, you know. It's time to knock off Minnesota. It's, you know, I'm not a PJ PJ Fleck guy. I don't know too many people who are, and I like to make fun of the guy. But he's got Jeff Brom's number. I mean, he is 4-1 and one against Jeff Brom, and he could put an asterisk next to that thanks to the 2020 game. I'm not going to go there because <laughs> ranted about that enough. But uh, it's time to knock – I mean, if Purdue wants to win the West – Wants to make the Big Ten championship, you got to take care of that game. And um, I mean, they on paper they got a chance to get off to a pretty good start. Yeah, and yeah, you mentioned that the schedule. I mean, arguably your toughest game is that game in Madison. Your road game, toughest road game, is that game in Madison in uh, late October. But I mean, you get a lot of these other teams at home, man. I'm excited too, and I'm trying to be cautious. I know, I know. Yeah, I was probably. Going back to like how we said, like super excited. I would remember being super excited going to 2019, but then uh, just because we had Elijah and we had sophomore year Rondell Moore, but then obviously the Nevada game happened oh, and oh. then it was derailed by injuries. So it was like, but yeah, I remember going to that year. It was like, man, we can that's a good point, but uh, yeah, I think I, it's been quite a while since I've had this high of expectations and this high level of excitement for sure. I will say I was pretty excited when I was a manager in 2012 because the Big Ten, if you remember, the leaders and legends, Pitt State was on probation. Ohio State was on probation. So it was like us against Wisconsin for our part of the division, and we, we, we weren't even close to taking care of business. So. Who was, was that Robert Marver? Who was quarterback? That well, it went back and forth. It was uh, Ter Bush was the starter, and then Marvin official finish, finishing the season. It was – and, and, and I'll go ahead and say it. I'm not a manager anymore. I don't care. Um, from what I saw in practice, I always thought of the head scratcher, why Caleb Turbush started over Robert Marv. I think he was a little more of the safe option as far as conservative, but 
he saw in practice. I thought Robert outplayed him more times than on practice. And I don't know. It must have been something behind the doors that I, I didn't see. The uh, player you're most excited to see this year, Evan. Oh, man. Most excited to see. Tanner's I'm excited to see. Go ahead. I feel like I'm going to forget somebody. Um, I guess I'm just going just before we don't know, but I'd lo- I'm excited to see like what like a Brock Thompson can do after what he did in the in the Music City Bowl. Um, just seeing like what, like he's healthy, he's healthy. You know, he'll probably be arguably number one receiver if I, if I'm, I would say so. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, now that the expectation is going to be on him, like what can he do? Um, I mean, obviously I'm a huge Payne Durham fan. Um, so I'm, but it's kind of a, a given. Well, obviously AOC, I mean, he's a, he's a kind of a given. I feel like it's, it's a cop answer to, to choose him, but um, yeah, on the spot, I think, I think I'm excited to see what like a Brock Thompson can do. Yeah. As soon as Tanner says so, I'm probably going to regret my answer and say something different. Tanner? I'm anxious to see what Tyron Tracy can do. Mm-hmm. The uh, transfer from Iowa, he's going to be wearing number three, which is going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think they should have gave that a break, like a year break, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, I, I'm interested to see how they use him, not only in the wide receiver position, but also in the backfield running back. Uh, Kobe Lewis, a late addition to the to the roster, uh, Central Michigan running back transfer. I'm anxious to see what he can do. Um, and then all the guys I haven't mentioned on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, I said Kim Allen, Kim He's Allen and Jalen Graham. Man. I think, yeah. I think those guys are going to take the next step yeah. and uh, they can both be potential Actually, NFLers. No, no, I'm thinking about, and I'm blanking on his name, the other Iowa transfer, which I'm, I'm, I'm Charlie Jones. Charlie yes. Jones. Yeah. Jones, just yeah. Like, like, are we going to have a return game? I mean, we thought we might have one with Ron Moore, which I was not a fan of putting it back there. Anyways, I want to put him in bubble wrap. But it's like this guy's a specialist. Like, I mean, like, can we have a return game? Which obviously we uh, had Jackson answer back there. Like, he was obviously reliable. He caught the ball, which was you know most important thing. But like, it was never. We never thought he was gonna you know bust one. But it's like, you know, he Charlie's been able to do it. It's like, can we have that threat? As we've seen, unfortunately, the special teams can have a huge impact on a game for you or against you and we've seen it mostly against us in the last couple of years more so than we've seen it for us except for the first couple of years in the Jeff Brom era but if we can get a return game that'd be huge yeah we haven't had a kick return touchdown since Akeem Hunt in 2013 part return since Aaron Valentine <laughs> in 09 and I would say an overall good return game since Dorian Bryant so yeah. we're due and I, I'm, I'm excited about him too that was a good one for sure I think my answer before yesterday would have been Samson James but I think I just saw yesterday <laughs> He's already back in the portal, so I don't know yeah. if there's anything behind that or not, but that was very disappointing to, to see. I was excited to see what this guy could do on the field. Yeah, I was nice. too. I mean, he made made uh, waves years ago when he decommitted from Ohio State and went to Indiana and then ripped us up in that 2019 double overtime bucket game, and then then he, we got him. I'm like, all right, this could be fun. And then I, I thought it was interesting when he was missing a lot of practices in, in the spring game, and it was never really injury-related or never reason – it wasn't being publicized as to why I thought that was kind of a red flag. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like um, we said goodbye to him before we even got to know him. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but it hurts the running back depth chart room. Cause now you have King Doru, uh, Kobe Lewis, and then Dylan Downing will probably be your one, two, three, which mm-hmm. is, isn't bad, but Purdue's got to, got to have a better rush game than they have yeah. the past few years. I mean, I love Horvath. I hope he does well with the Chargers, and that hurts me as a Denver Bronco fan saying that. But I hope he makes a team and does well. Um, but 
we got to have a better running game. I mean, we're going to pass the ball over the place. Everybody knows that, but we got got to keep the defenses honest a little bit. Yeah. 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 I was definitely hoping that was going to help open up passing game with having more depth there. Hopefully King, King can have a, just a fantastic season this year. I really like the guy too. And, you know, if he stays healthy and guy can run. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting. Um, I must have missed it. So I'll just ask you this. What, what happened with Milton Wright? Cause I must've missed that news academics um he was ineligible come the bowl game and then he he was able to do a little spring ball but they said he i don't know the exact situation but they said he was way behind had a lot of work to do to catch up and he didn't he didn't get caught up but they still list him on the roster that's why i said it was like 99.9 i I don't know but um it's too bad too bad and he can't get in the the nfl's not doing a supplemental draft this year so if that was the route he wanted to go, he could always go to a junior college or, or something and get his grades up. But I mean, a lot of guys don't do that anymore. And, and at his age, I, I doubt that's probably a possibility. Oh, I know. He was great recruit, very productive on the field, especially in that Wrigley field game against Northwestern. He was going to be the man and just too bad. But like I said, Brock Thompson, Tyrone Tracy, TJ Sheffield, who's bet coming off an injury, uh, uh, uh Rice. Rice, good guy, poor guy cannot stay healthy. He has a lot of potential. So tons of good options there. Uh Auburn transfer. I think there's another one in there. I'm forgetting. So Elijah Cannon, yeah, from uh from Auburn. Yeah, who's a big target, it sounds like. So a lot of good guys just we're gonna um in um Sheree. Help help me out here, Evan. Um Ramanya scene. Thank you. I can never say his name on our podcast. So, uh, you know, he showed some promise. Um, uh, Burks showed some promise during that bowl game. So a lot of good options. Uh, Preston Terrell. I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting some guys too. Uh, Sullivan. See, I've named him. So a lot of good options. Just somebody's got to step up and be like, all right. Show's not an answer on the roster this year. Or like, do they have like a. Yeah. That'll be weird without an answer on the field this year. And you mentioned Durham and we got Garrett Miller too. I mean, tight ends uh, are, yeah. are deep. So, I mean, we may be lining up two tight ends. Who knows? So even the OL, the offensive line's deep. I mean, they might not be the most veteran offensive line. It might not be Brahms best offensive line, but I would say this is probably the best offensive line he's had since his very first one at Purdue. Yeah. So I think a lot of depth there on both offense and defensive line, which <laughs> as Purdue fans, we haven't seen in quite a while. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. It's going to be extremely important to protect the guy we just briefly have mentioned so far and Aiden O'Connell for you guys to get him. What, what does Aiden O'Connell in your opinion have to do this year to be a become the next member of the cradle quarterbacks and to be considered uh, in the Heisman uh, Heisman consideration this year. Go ahead, Evan. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, I'll, I'll do the second part. The Heisman, I think kind of, we kind of talked about already. We have to be Penn state. And he, obviously he's got to look good doing it, but then we have to just, I think, absolutely roll our non-conference and go into that, you know, Minnesota game. Kind of don't want to say that, but kind of like similar to the Orton back in 04, like where we just kind of started out 5-0 and and we're just rolling. Um, Cradle, I think, I mean, as long as, I think if he can get us kind of to a similar season, you know, a 7-8 win season, I don't see how, and as long as he, you know, puts up, has the same similar production, I'm not sure he can have the streak that he had with, you know, the lack of interceptions. But, I mean, that was pretty incredible as it was. But I think if he can, you know, be really productive and get us to that 7-8 win season, I think he'll be right in there, especially given the fact that we go back-to-back eight-win seasons. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything Evan said there. I mean, he's already helped spearhead upset wins at number two Iowa last year over number three, I believe it was at time Michigan State. Great bowl game win over over an SEC team. No matter if Paul Feibaum wants to give Purdue a win or not, it was a win. Um, in what was an away bowl, bowl game. I mean, yeah. um, um, so he's coming off a great statistical season. I think if, like Evan said, seven to eight wins, I think that puts him in the cradle. As for Heisman, I think he's got to put up some really good numbers, and Purdue's going to have to probably win at least 10 games, I would say. I mean, I think win the West at bare minimum. Yeah. Like, get to, get to Indy. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be. He could have a great year like he did last year and still be second team Big Ten again because he's CJ Strauss pretty special. And there's yeah. some other quarterbacks everybody wants to hype up, <clears throat> Casey Thompson out in Nebraska. Uh, but got to see that first. But uh, I'm, yeah, AOC is definitely, it feels, it just feels good to go into season with no Quarter question marks quarterback for the yeah. first time in what feels like a long time. No kidding, no kidding. Uh, injuries aside, you know, if we're winning a winning a game by a lot, do you think we see uh, uh, Brady Allen on the field at all early on? You know, where he doesn't hurt his redshirt eligibility status. Do you think Brom trots him out there just to see what what he can do in game action? I think he throws a limo out there before Brady Allen. I think he throws Burton out there. Yeah, the I yeah, he said Burton. Yeah, I mean, now I keep forgetting that. he's back, which is. Well, I, is I think I'm hoping we see something with Burton, like a package. As long as it's not what we saw with Plummer last year, it's like when he comes in, it's a run. If it's just right. always, so it's like it's, I hated that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to see Burton throw. I think he came in one game last year, one or two games last year. I can't remember which one it was. I, I can't remember. Yeah, he did come in. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, he didn't really do much of anything. I think but... we used him in Minnesota, too, in running packages against Minnesota. Did we? I, don't I, know, think. I don't remember. Um, but, yeah, like aside from, like, from off, I think you would see Burton first, but I'd like to see a I mean, he was a kid, again, who went to the transfer portal and pulled himself out, which – like, two days. <laughs> yeah. <weird. laughs> so, I, I think – I don't think Brady sees the field this year. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there is yeah. a lot of depth there in the sense of guys who have been there a couple of years now, and a, a guy like Burton who surprised me sticking around again. But yeah. you know, you know, obviously, God, <laughs> we hope not that you know that anything happened to O'Connell. But it's good to have some guys that you know, like a Burton or a guy who was hyped like Alamo or whatever, in, in case you know, and not have to try to out Brady Allen as a true freshman. But obviously, we hope O'Connell stays healthy, and then could put up some Heisman type numbers, but more importantly, help us win, win games. Yeah. I, uh, you know, um, Evan mentioned Orton going to 04. I remember Curtis Painter was pretty hyped going to 08 his senior yeah. year and that didn't work out so well. Of course that team, I don't think was near as talented as this team and Painter got hurt and uh, Curtis, Curtis could put up some numbers, but he had the unfortunate inability to beat the big boys. He beat a lot of the teams he's supposed to beat, but couldn't get yeah, over see, the hump. Yeah, he great numbers against Central yeah. Michigan, Indiana, Ball State, but when it came to Wisconsin, Penn State, you know, Ohio Penn State, State, Michigan, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it yeah, didn't it was, go well for him. But but Aiden's already proved that he can, he can take down the big boys, the top five ranked teams in the country. So yeah, it'll be exciting. I can't wait. You know, like I mentioned, about fifty-one days away. That Thursday night is going to be uh, it's going to be wild. The Not countdown sure. is on. I assume you guys will be there. <laughs> Yeah, Evan and I renewed our tickets. We actually upgraded and got down a few rows lower. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. That will be awesome. Hey, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I, I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. Uh, something else that's kind of relevant right now, uh, we'll just kind of jump on this as quickly as possible. NBA Summer League's happening right now, so we're getting to see a little bit of 
Ivy, or maybe not anymore. We'll say that in a minute, but Travion and a couple other guys that are trying to make some roster spots. You guys watching and your thoughts. I've watched a little, not as much as I probably should be, or, or definitely could be. Um, Travion so far is the one I've been following the closest because I thought he had a really good, he still might. I thought he had a really good chance to make the Celtics. So far, his stats are telling me probably won't. Um, but I think if I had to guess, I think Travion will be a G leaguer um, for a while. So probably, a, hopefully like a two-way contract or something right. where he can maybe go interchangeably. Right. He could probably make more money right away in Europe, but I think I see him in the G league. Uh, Jay Nivey, as you, as you mentioned, was off to a really good start until he rolled his ankle the other day, but he's definitely, he's league ready. He's ready to go. It's with crazy. The, <laughs> it's with Detroit, crazy. He's, he's ready to go. I know Detroit gained a lot of Purdue fans, became Pistons fans, uh, especially for the one week they had both him and Carson. And then was it, a week? It, was like, Carson. it was like two days. <laughs> it might, yeah. It might, have, yeah, it might be abbreviating, but uh, I saw Matthias put up 10 points the other night. I have not seen how Vincent's been doing. Um, I don't think but Sasha it, has been playing for the Spurs. I don't think Vincent or Sasha's even got in. Yeah. Maybe okay. been yeah. a minute or two, but yeah, Sasha hasn't, that's, I feel bad. You know, like, I, you know, I'm curious what Sasha, a guy like Sasha thinks he, you know, commits to this trying to make a roster and then they don't even give him, a, right. doesn't even play him one minute to, to I, I think Sasha's a smart kid. I think he knows like Europe's probably where he's going to be. But I think he's like, hey, you know, take a crack at it. You know, take take your best shot, and if you make it, you make it. If not, like, he'll make a ton of money over in Europe. And there's a whole thing about you know, since he's got a Serbian passport, you know, there's a whole thing like where teams can only have a certain amount of Americans. So it's like if he plays in Serbia, it doesn't count against their American quota. So it's like that can be super valuable for teams over there, and some, maybe something that they're willing to pay a bit more for. So. He'll have a great career, but it's like, you know, shoot your shot while you can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think with Ivy rolling his ankle, I don't think he plays again. The Pistons, uh, you know, we're recording this on a Tuesday night, but and the Pistons play here in a little bit after we're done recording. I don't think he'll play, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Pistons just shut him down. I think he's already proven yeah. what he can yeah. do. With them. They should shut him down, yeah. I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> As a fan, I don't want to because I want to watch him play some more. Oh, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But Fair it enough. was – it, it was neat the other day to see they, they had a tweet or somebody tweet about the Pistons front office reactions when Keegan Murray went forth to Sacramento. They were pretty excited because they were getting the guy they wanted all along. So that was pretty cool. Which, shout out to Sacramento for being just a trash organization. Like, you could have, <laughs> like, played – because there was a rumor that the Knicks really wanted Ivy. It's like yeah. you could have led them on so badly yep. to be like, what do you want? Like, we're taking yep. them. Like, I know you want them. Like, what Like what do you want? And just absolutely fleece them. and. Hey, good luck with Keegan Murray. I like Keegan Murray. He's a good player. but He is good. I was glad Ivy didn't go there. Oh, I was Sacramento so glad, yeah. was just – yeah, not very good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, going back to Trevion, I had seen some video from in scrimmage, you know, just between the team that he was tearing it up, you know. So, yeah. And then it's – the other thing, too, with the Celtics, it's the exact same thing that happened with uh, Carson. Like, <sighs> right now there's so many power forwards on the Celtics roster where it's like even if he makes the team – like Carson, was gonna, he's going to be so buried in the depth. So maybe something works out where the Celtics don't take him and there's an opportunity to maybe be a two or three deep on a different roster. I don't know. And that's a good point. And he chose to go to Boston. I don't know who else was interested, that was the but thing. that was, was like, his was, choice. Yeah. Which was surprising to me when he made that move. But I, I had heard that Boston was interested. He could be a potentially late second-round pick, which I'm still surprised nobody took a flyer on him late yeah. in the second round. But yeah. – um, I'm sure hoping he can land, he can land somewhere. And, and, and right when he went to Boston, I'm like, darn it, Boston's where <laughs> Purdue 
pro careers go to die. Juwan, Etwan, basketball. Carson. Football is usually okay with, that's true. with the, that's with true. the yeah, that's true. But that's basketball true. is a whole different story. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Even I, baseball, they've been okay in baseball too. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously we're we're biased, but I, I really believe that Travion was going to get drafted in the second round. I, really I did too. I thought he was. Yeah, I, I watched the entire draft thinking, like, I was like, okay, like, so obviously I was went to see Ivy, and then I kind of was, you know, half paying attention for a lot of the late second round or first round and into the second round. I was like, when it got to like the 50s, I was like, okay, I think he might do it. And then as I kept seeing all these like guys who were just drafted and stashed over in Europe, players like, yeah, he's not getting yeah. drafted. Like, <laughs> right. I, I was also surprised Kofi Coburn of Illinois didn't get yeah. drafted. I thought somebody, I know he's kind of a dinosaur in NBA terms, but. He was a pretty good college player. I thought somebody would take a fly on him late in the second game, half yeah. and or second round, and, and nope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I realized I think it was like it was like pick like fifty four, and like I think Trayvon was like number seven on like Jay Bills' big board. I was like, yeah, there's no, yeah. it's not happening. Well, yeah, and I think I, I was driving back from Pennsylvania that night, and I saw, um, I think the Pacers had made a move that they were late in the draft. And I was like, oh, Pacers, maybe Pacers will take him with one of these last picks and keep him here in, in Indiana or whatever. But because I mean. The, Pacers need some help at the power forward right yeah, now. Yeah, they do. In a local attraction wouldn't hurt. Right. Wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Wasn't meant to awesome. be. Hey, let's wrap it up with this real quick. Something else that's coming up here in just a couple of weeks in uh, my most recent episode, The Men of Mackie. You guys following that? And, you know, I had Robbie on a couple episodes. We talked Men of Mackie in my last episode. And just excitement to get to see some of these guys uh, playing again here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I've uh, I've watched the previous couple of years they've had it, and, and I'll, I'm planning on watching again this year. Uh, glad there was some late Purdue additions to the roster. Um, and once again, uh, um, I believe is it, 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 I'm, I'm mistaken. Who who runs their team? Ryan What's K. It? Ryan K. I couldn't remember his name. Is Michael or Ryan? Ryan does a really good job. I'm sure that's very tough to fill it out. I know a lot of people were kind of complaining for a while. Well, they're getting all non-Purdue guys, but they got a nice mix of Purdue guys. And anytime I can see Robbie Hummel wear a Purdue-related jersey one more time, I'm going to tune in. So uh, hopefully they can advance a little farther than they did last year, did better last year than they did the previous year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just fun to see some of those old, old familiar Purdue faces uh, get to play one more time. Yeah. And we, and we talked about this on the episode, too, and Ryan Smith and I were talking about it before we even started recording, too, is, Purdue, you know, Purdue basketball players or former Purdue basketball players were kind of in that thing where, you know, the guys like Robbie or Jawan or Etwan are, you know, kind of near the end of their careers and maybe not wanting to play basketball anymore competitively. And then the younger guys who would be a great fit for this team are still trying to make a professional roster, whether it's here overseas. So it's kind of that midpoint where it's hard, but maybe in a year or two or, you know, as maybe a, you know, a Vincent Edwards or a Sasha or somebody, you know, doesn't cling onto an NBA team that, you know, you might see more of these guys join um, and a Mackey and actually make it a more of a true Purdue alumni team. But I know Ryan, who I've gotten to know over the last few years, is I know he's doing everything he can to fill that roster. And he, they are getting a lot of incredible uh, talent oh, sure. from, uh, overseas teams as well. So I really hope to see Chris Kramer one day playing this. I know he still wants to finish his European career strong. He's been uh, bit by the injury bug the last few years, but I'm a huge Chris Kramer fan. He's still my favorite boiler of all time. So if I could see him one more time playing a pretty uniform, that'd be, that'd be really cool. I agree 100% with that. <laughs> that would, that would be awesome. Yeah. Him. I, I gave uh Lou Jack a hard time that I gave told Lou Jack to give Ray Phil Davis a hard time to get him back. Yeah. So it'd be awesome to see him wear it one more time as well. And just, yeah, if you could, you know, get Robbie and then, uh, you know, the rumors of trying to get Jawan on board, you know, if you can bring those guys all back next year, maybe one last time, that would, 
that'd be pretty fantastic. And, and each one too, I think, you know, this don't quote me on this, and this is no official source, but from what I had heard, you know, Etwan's not sure if he's going to play next year in the, in the league and he maybe just want to take the summer off with some family. So, you know, maybe after getting to do that this year, maybe he plays one one time next year. That'd be awesome. If we could get Etwan, Juwan, and Robbie, boiler uniform one more time, I, I might shed a tear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Hey, guys, this has been so much fun. We're definitely going to have to do this again in the future. Uh, any closing uh, thoughts as we wrap up? They just... I'm glad the the countdown for Boiler Sports is, is getting close. You know, it's for a highly anticipated football season. You know, basketball obviously is still going to be consistent. It's a painter team. I have a full confidence in them, but you're know, just ready to start uh, getting amped up for football. Yeah, me too. Yep, I'm the same way. I'm glad you gave me a countdown number 50 once because now I'm yeah. really going to start counting down my head. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that's uh, it'll be seven weeks then from from Thursday. That's uh, that's crazy, but I'm I'm juiced up and I'm I'll be amped up come November for Boiler Basketball too. And hopefully, just overall, hopefully Purdue has a great sports year for 2022-2023, and got a lot of good things going for Purdue sports and the university as a whole right now. And just always uh, grateful and appreciative when you when you have us on to talk about uh, uh, school that means so much to us. So thanks again. Yeah, no, yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, we didn't get into like soccer and volleyball and wrestling. So when we do this again, maybe in the fall, like I said, I'd love to do this as a quarterly thing. You know, we get back into this in the fall, we can start talking about how a lot of those fall sports and looking forward to more basketball and wrestling as well to talk about some of these others. And hopefully we'll have another great year as well. So it's exciting. It's a, hey, as we always like to say, it's a great day to be a Boilermaker, right? Yes, sir. Always. That's awesome. Hey guys, thank you again so much for joining the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Boiler up. Thanks, Boiler. Adam. Boiler up. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.